Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. I don't want to turn it off, I'm supposed to be fading it out and I don't want to. I feel like we're having a little podcast party. Fade it out, fade it out. But that's like a little podcast party, I love it. Poor Madonna. Poor Madonna. She was just, she'd had her face lifted and she was done all her rehearsing and then she was whisked into ICU and they thought she was going to die because she had some sort of awful infection. (gasps) Poor Madonna. But there was quite a a sexist, ageist quote in the Times today from one of her people who works for her. For the past couple of days, no one knew which direction this was going to turn with Madonna and her family was preparing for the worst. That's why it was kept a secret since Saturday a family member told the mail. This really woke her the F up. She's not been living as healthy a life as she should be for her age. She's the same age as me. We're young. And she's been wearing herself thin over the past couple of months. She thinks she's still young when in fact she's not. She also believes she's invisible. (gasps) Well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of Madonna if she sees that. Lackey told the male that they're going to be... Getting their P45, aren't they, next week? I would have thought they'd be getting out. more on that. I wouldn't cross Madonna. She's a very strong woman. But it's it's interesting, isn't it? They, you know, the papers don't talk about Mick Jagger in that way, no. who's about a million years older than, than her, and Paul McCartney and everything. Just because she's a woman, she thinks she's still young. Yeah, you do. I feel 12. And also... Bugger off. She's very fit. And she's, she's a perfectionist. Fit. Of course she'll drive herself. Her, her having an infection probably isn't her fault. It's probably some man was dirty. <laughs> a dirty man. No, leave Madonna alone and be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah. We love her. We love Madonna. But she, again, it's it's important to say... She was pioneering, and you can see from that Vogue video, she was pioneering in championing gay people, raising money for AIDS, queer people, trans people. She was inclusive before anyone else was inclusive. Absolutely. And, you know, it's Pride Month. It is Pride Month. I actually am not that keen on Pride Month because if I'm going to York tomorrow, I don't want traffic. Well, I am celebrating Pride Month this week, Mm -hmm. and... Um, you're not gay though, are you now? No, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. But do you know what? But everyone I, thinks we're lesbians. Everyone thinks we're going to come to that in the letters. Yes. We've got, we've got, we've got. <laughs> Probably everyone thinks we're lesbians because when we took Hilda to the referral, you had a T-shirt saying, "I love my two mummies." Yeah. 
So yeah. the vet thought we were lesbians. Yeah. Well, we are two mummies because all our animals are sort of collective, aren't they? So they've got you and me. No, I but don't no, want we're Boris. not lesbians. For I anyone that's Boris. wondering, <laughs> for anyone that's wondering, no, we're not lesbians. But I am celebrating Pride Month because they've got the Pride thing this on Saturday, the Pride Parade in London on on Saturday. Yeah, but they've been doing that for weeks. But what fun! There've been naked men on the streets of London for weeks. Oh, praise be! Can we now stop playing with raining men? Men, I don't want to see naked. Well, it depends penises. on the man, Liz. Depends on the man. I mean, there's a few. I mean, Chris Hemsworth, he can get his kit off any time. Chris Pine. Chris Pine. I've got a list. I've got a long, long list. Alexander Skarsgård. We did see his penis the other day, didn't we? Unless it was a penis double. Well, you know, you I'm did. Alexander Skarsgård. You did. I'm still traumatised. But yeah, it's so if you're in London this weekend, it looks like they've got some amazing events around Trafalgar Square and all that. Lots of stages with lots of performance. And I really wish I could go. It looks such brilliant fun. I mean, I what think an I'm a gay icon. Are you? Well, yes. Dear my column, I've often meet lots of gay men. They say they love it. Yeah. Because it is quite camp, isn't it? It is quite camp, and you're quite witty and, and acerbic, can't you? And I'm the same age as Madonna. You are the same. She's about four weeks older than me. Oh, my God, you've me. got another No, she's four weeks older than me. It's another one. First it's Megan, now it's Madonna. Yeah. Didn't we have someone in between? Anyway, so getting back to Pride, yesterday a new book came out, and it's called Becoming Us by Hannah and... Um, Jake. Jake Graff. Graff. And, Are they the same um, person or two people? No, that's a husband and wife. Oh, right. Um, Not another one who's married, someone who's then changes their sex. Another no, they're one. both. They're both. They're a heterosexual couple, but both um, transgender. I find it quite hard to get my head around that. It's like they had a man on the cover of some glossy women's magazine, Pregnant, and they said he was a trans man. So that means he used to be a woman, which is why he's pregnant, but he looks like a man. He's a biological woman who is... Looks like a man because he's got who, short who's hair. He's a trans okay. man, yeah. So, and I've got to say So here, these two people did the opposite each, so yeah. they're still opposite. Yeah, so Hannah um, was, was biologically born a man and Jake was biologically born a woman. How did they find each other? I can't even well, get a date on a Friday. How did these two unique people doing a unique thing find each other? Well, I can answer that. I can answer that. Hannah was on the, uh, on Lorraine and Jake sent her a message um, on social media and they met up and it was all love from there. The book isn't just about, it's not just about their trans journey, which is obviously a major part of it. It's about their whole lives. There's a lot of interesting stuff about them, not just about them But what makes them interesting? Because they're just in a conventional heterosexual man-woman couple Yeah, now. no, they're, they're very, very, very interesting. I'm, I've really enjoyed this book. And I'm going to have to say first, though, is I really fancy... Hannah's husband, I do. I really fancy him. Have you? Can I just show you this picture of him? He's so handsome. Look how handsome he looks. Isn't he gorgeous? Yeah. Oh my god, he's so handsome. He reminds me of someone. I, he's so handsome. I really fancy her husband. So I'm sorry, Hannah. I apologise. <laughs> but basically, the book is about a trans. That means you're a lesbian. Well, he looks like. I mean, he is a man. It he's does a trans mean man. that you are a lesbian. And do you know, and I think that's an interesting conversation because if I met him, and I'm quite sure that if I saw him in a bar, I would fancy him. But if he's really a woman at birth, does that make you a lesbian? 
I don't know. I There's think all these philosophical there questions. There is a lot of I don't interesting conversations about it, but and I think it's who you for. You don't ever know who you're going to fall in love with or who you find attractive. I mean, I'm not gay. I'm not a lesbian. I've never had an attraction to a woman. That doesn't mean that if I met someone that I wouldn't be attracted to them just because they're a woman. I think we get very hung up, don't we? And you never know. And I can't ever foresee that because I've always been attracted yeah. to men. But you don't actually know, To do be you? honest, Nick, I don't really care, I, if I'm no. honest. If a person is nice... That's what And matters. is kind to animals and is a nice person, I don't care who they sleep with. No. And there's, you know, all that came out about, you know, George Mike. There's lots about George Michael because it was his birthday at the weekend. And Elton John did a tribute to George at Glastonbury. And they're saying, oh, George, don't come out. It's going to damage your sales Ridiculous. and your fans. I love George. Him. I didn't care who he no. slept with. We loved Did him for I, his talent. does not interest me at all. I love George. I didn't care if he was gay, straight, used no. to be a woman, used to be a, nothing. As long as no. he's kind, gives to charity and loves his Labradors and writes great songs, I love him. No. I, no, no, absolutely. So... Did this book tell you anything you didn't know? Yeah, it did. Uh, what I liked about this book is Hannah and Hannah and Jake are a very normal couple. You know, they're, they're, they're just a couple that got married and they wanted children. And what's really interesting... they've had children. They've had children. Who gave birth then? They had a surrogate. Oh, I see. Jake had, Jake had actually um, frozen some eggs before his transition. Right. And so they used a surrogate. And there's actually a documentary, I think, that was... 2020 where they actually talked about um their babies and it's a really good documentary and i love this book because it's so candid it's so honest and it's so authentic and they are really fabulous ambassadors for for trans people they really are and i think reading this book because you and i we're never going to understand we don't know what it feels like to feel we're trapped in the wrong body we don't we don't understand it. We never can. You know, you can have empathy. You can you can try and imagine. But truthfully, I can't imagine how awful it must be. And what I found really interesting was they have very different routes to, to being trans. Jake uh, felt, as, as a very, very young, sort of, you know, when he was three or four years old, that he was a boy and, and, and not a girl. And it, it was, it's he talks about different things that are triggering. So being in a classroom and they call out his girl name and it made him feel like he was outed every time they did that. It was all these micro stresses and having to dress as a girl. They'd want, you know, his parents took him to a wedding and they wanted him to dress as a flower girl and he begged and begged not to. And it, it I found that incredibly interesting because a while ago I watched a programme, it was a documentary, about a young child that was trans and, and and it was all about supporting this child and there was a lot of debate around this documentary and, and it's interesting him talking about it because in his for him he was never any doubt that he was a boy you know he might have been in in a body that was alien to him but he was never ever any doubt and you can see this consistency throughout his life until he was actually able to make those yeah. changes sort of like hormonally and, and surgically and it's a book that makes you really question and think. And now, of course, there's, there's charities and, and there is external support, things like Mermaid, that are supporting for trans children and their parents. I was a mermaid. So you was a different sort of mermaid. So there's there's a lot more support now than when they were going through it. And, and Hannah was 
in the army. So that was an incredibly, it's incredibly interesting to hear about that because it's about her army career and being, initially she presented as gay in the army and before she said she, and gay never felt right to her. And she actually, once she sort of came out in the army as being transgender, she then helped them with their policies and, and how to go forward with it. So it was incredibly interesting to hear about her yeah. life in the army. Yeah. And, and also, because you've got a lot of preconceptions that perhaps being gay in the army even would be really difficult. And so for her, saying she was gay was like a happy medium. She didn't particularly want to go that far to say she was transgender. And there was there was a pivotal moment for her where she saw... But she's not gay because now she's with an opposite absolutely, member Absolutely, absolutely. So she was trying to find a way of living, uh, you know, and be in the army in a way of living that she didn't have to completely hide who she was. And it's it, she had a pivotal moment where she saw someone much younger, really brave, come out and say, this is me, this is, this is who I am. And so she actually went for it in the army and she was accepted and she's actually been really pivotal. Do they not talk about what surgery they've had then? Yeah, I mean, it's not something they go into. And, and Hannah says, you know, she has had lower half surgery but you know she they don't particularly talk about the surgery because what they want to talk about is their journey and i found it incredibly informative i found it incredibly interesting it's not just about transgender i'm interested in anybody's life that's incredibly different to my own and yeah i think they're a really positive well, presentation of transgender because there's so much damage done on social media platforms Lots of anger, lots of mudslinging, and so there's this a shows fear they're of just people. And yeah, they're just people. They're just people that want to meet someone, fall in love. And I was incredibly sad reading this book about the way they've felt they've had to hide who they are, the way they've felt that that you know that yeah. they wasn't valid, and the lack of confidence it's given them. And I feel really sad for anybody that feels they've got to hide themselves. And I, I, I'm not in that world. So I assume, because the attitude towards them is more positive, it's 2023, I make an assumption that, you know, obviously we embrace diversity and we embrace everybody, whoever they are, as long as they're not hurting yeah, someone. Yeah. And actually looking at their experience... Even now, they, they get messages saying you shouldn't have babies, we hope your baby dies. I mean, who the hell... Yeah, but lots of feminists do get very, very attacking yeah. emails saying they're turfs and they don't have a right to speak about the trans No, and, absolutely, and I think that's what the problem is, is we need sensible conversation. We need to be able... Because a lot of women, so a lot of women don't want to be called cis women. I don't want to be called a cis woman. I'm a woman, that's it. I'm just a woman. Yeah. I respect trans women. I'm just a husk. You could just call me a husk. I'm a. I, I. I. had all these tests last week for a story I'm doing, and she said, "Well, you know, your 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 uterus right. is small and it's healthy. Your ovaries are small, and they've just shut up shop." And I said, "Well, I knew that. I, so I'm just a husk." Well, if they hadn't shut up shop by now, you'd be a bit. You'd be like eternally it's young. It's funny to be you? told it. You know, your your uterus is small and your ovaries have shut up. And it's like I feel like an unused Le Creuset saucepan. It's not as bad as when I went in on a date in my 20s and the guy I was on a date with said, well, you've got really good childbearing hips. That's worse. 
That's not worse than worse. saying I'm a saucepan. No, you're saying I had a big arse and big hips. No, it's worse. It's Can worse. Can we move on to Catelyn Moran's new book, you which bought, is out next week? You've with my book. We've been for such a long time now. I'm joking, I'm joking. Catelyn Moran's got a new book. I think it's been out, it's out next week and it's been extracted in the Times as she's doing a tour. She has lots of tours, doesn't she? She I does do lots any. of tours. Um, it's called What About Men? And I've got my copy, and it is funny, and it's very frank, and it's her inimitable style of just saying anything. And in it, she does talk about how men feel, but she spent her whole life talking about how women feel. I've got a bit of a problem with it, to be honest, because, like, I couldn't write Jake and Hannah's book. How can she write how men feel, you know? Well, she does the normal thing of, of... older female journalists saying because I'm a mum I'm entitled to write about this I'm entitled to write about that Mm. because I've got female children who've got boyfriends and they come into the house and eat all the stuff in her fridge she's entitled to write about it as if those of us without children are not entitled to write about anything that's one one of the things she is very frank and she is very funny and she's writing here about penises right I think the way she does deal with the subject is she's interviewed lots and lots and lots and lots of men, including her husband. And I think her perspective is she says they look after us, they protect us, they're like dogs, they're loyal. It kind of depends who you marry. I was going to say... Whether you won the lottery of the men, because she also said in a previous book or piece, women's lives are defined by who they marry. So if you marry a great man, your life's great. If you marry a horrible man, your life isn't great. And actually, we don't need protecting. She's won the lottery and she doesn't realise there's lots of women out there who are abused, who are raped, who are gaslighted, who are shouted at, who have their money stolen, who are cheated on, etc, etc. But anyway, I'm not bitter. But it's quite funny when she talks about penises and she brings up the fact that that Trump has a terrible tiny penis and she says logically these prejudices are awful make no sense assuming that only a bad or weak person would be born with a small or average penis has its roots in medieval thinking where it was presumed that you would only be born with e.g. cerebral palsy if God was punishing you or your parents for sinfulness we talk about small cocks as if every baby boy was visited in the cradle in the cradle by an unpleasant tiny cox witch who cursed him. And then she talks about vaginas, which she's written a lot about. And she says she's touched more penises than a man has because she's had, like, 13 boyfriends. I've only had three and a half, and I don't think I wanted to touch anything. God, I've had a lot more than 13. Anyway, she says, For female comedians, actresses, writers and pop stars who have recently mined all the equally taboo stuff on female genitalia, they have, with their jokes and candour, allowed these subjects to become normal, if amusing conversation for millions of women across the world. When in 2013 Lily Allen opened the big vagina floodgates by performing hard out here under balloons that spelled out Lily Allen has a baggy (laughs) pussy, it was something just as unthinkable for women to admit to as a man admitting he has a non-epic penis. And the two issues are kind of related. Let's face it, the reason Lily Allen was the first, to my knowledge, to admit she had a baggy vagina is the presumption that the bigger the fanny, the shitter the shag. Women want to say it's tight, that you have a tiny, dainty, fairy's fanny like a mouse's ear. No one wants to hear their vagina is like chucking a sausage up Oxford Street. (laughs) 
actually, I actually think that book is worth buying for that line. Well done. Actually, Kate, okay, that's that's pretty good. But we now know that my organs are tiny, don't Your we? Your organs, even if they're like a saucepan. Well, exactly. No, I like that line. Shall I take you back to the eighties? Come on, then. Shall I? Shall I take? I want everybody now to just whisk back into time because I'm going to take you back to 1988. Are you ready? Oh! It's not Michael Jackson. Now this... Ready? Get busy. Tell all this stuff about me. <laughs> this is where you had one the window down. You took the top off of your convertible. Is that my prerogative? That's my prerogative, Bobby Brown. And... I remember when I was sort of like in my in my late teens, when in my early twenties, when I was a fetus, I had an XR Free Eye convertible. It wasn't a stereotype at all. I had an XR Free Eye convertible, and me and my boyfriend and all the guys used to go up and down Herne Bay Seafront, get to the end, do a handbrake turn, come back down, music blaring, arm crooked out the window, nodding. Do you know what I mean? Nodding. And the reason I'm taking you back to that time is because recently I've had a, an experience that has, has reminded me of it. Because my poor elderly car, like me, is slowly breaking down. Last month it was a clutch, and this month it's the exhaust. So there I was again, 18 years with a new driving licence, but this time I'm in a 20-year-old Peugeot going up the road. And then it fell off. And then it, we went over a speed... I was with Liz. We went over a speed bump in Ski Bee, didn't it we? it fell off. Sparks. We dragged it. We limped it back to the house. But, yeah, so that was my reliving of my own personal grace. Well, I went to Los Angeles just after that record came out, to interview Bobby Brown. I love Bobby Brown. And I remember telling my dad I was going to Los Angeles and he said, you can't go to Los Angeles to interview Bobby Brown. I was the first person in my family to go to America. He said, because there's all the gangs and you're going to be murdered. That's how supportive my parents were. Oh, Bobby was worried about you. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Was Bobby Brown nice? Um, no, I wouldn't it say seems he, was, a bit of a he was still handsome. It's before he sort of blew up. It was before Whitney Houston. I also, backstage at his concert, met Saida Garrett, who wrote, I'm looking at the man in the mirror. Ow! I thought Michael Jackson wrote that. No, Saida Garrett. And she no. Sang, yeah, and she sang it with him. No. Well, she sang something. God, you learn something every day. Well... Bobby Brown was my up and down the seafront friend. <laughs> but I actually met him. Yeah, but you've met them all. I'm still waiting for you to actually get some useful contents like Johnny Depp, Tom Alexander Cruise. Skarsgård is on my list of, of people I'm Take me to Johnny Depp. Arrogant. Do you want to hear this week's column? Or are we just going to go on about Tom Cruise? Or Johnny Depp. I'm not fussy. Or Channon Tatum. Go on. What have in, you done this week? In which I view a not so dares the with. I see in the illustration a duck. Please elaborate. The illustration is a duck. I went to view a house on Friday. Elderly couple downsizing. What well, I'm trying to upsize. Why are they all downsizing? The man showed me round. Then his wife asked, Are you still working? No! <laughs> 
Wow. I was wearing a Prada jacket. Wow. I said, yes, thank you. I'm a top journalist. Wow. What magazine, the woman said. <sighs> She's not helping herself, is she? I said, Fleet Street. <laughs> that shut them up. <laughs> but honestly, what a rude thing to say. Do people have no filter? I didn't say, God, these rugs everywhere. And the blue stair carpet. Ghastly. All the heavy brown furniture. Do you not have any taste? And what's with the pottery welcome duck? I'll be honest, you say that, but when we go to see a house and everything, and I can see your face screwing, I am waiting for you to blurt that out. I, I don't blurt it out. She said, are you still you working? Don't. Fuck off. <laughs> anyway, I hate viewing houses when it's the owner showing me around. They're always so in love with their ghastly houses to the point of delusion. I saw one the other day opposite a mini Morrison's with a hot tub in the garden. Oh, that's nice, I said, thinking I could drown David in it at some point. And the woman owner said... The people next door have right of access to the courtyard to put their bins out. But what if you were naked in the hot tub having sex? Unlikely, but bear with. And not something that we needed to visualise. It is what it is, she said. It is what it is. <laughs> £700,000 to be opposite a petrol station with a nosy neighbour walking past you not having sex in the hot tub, but more likely arguing. People are mad. Anyway, a text sprung up on my laptop from David 1.0. I only saw the first line. If you didn't want to go on holiday to Sicily, me, why, why, oh, delete, delete, delete. See, that I'm like Carrie. Are we delete, back to blocking? She, I'm deleting big. Delete, delete, delete. If he doesn't know the score by now, he never will. Then he sent another text saying he has sent some bone broth for Minnie, who still won't eat. She's having a biopsy on a lump next week. So I softened towards him a bit, but not enough to pack a suitcase. No, instead, I decided to arrange a mini-break in Totnes for my friend to repay her for lending me her car and to celebrate her birthday. It's a lovely apartment opposite an organic pub called The Bull Inn with a terrace for dining, as my friend won't eat indoors. Breakfast is included, as well as a catered vegan barbecue. You don't even have to light it. No, see, I'd like see, that. I know luxury. Yeah, no, I'd I like don't that. I? Yeah. Even the mattresses are organic. The owner used to run the organic pub in Islington and I dined there every Friday evening after work. Do you see how lovely my life was once? I plan to take Minnie Puppy as long as she's well enough. I can only afford three nights. My friend says, it's a long way to go for just three nights. Can I book this for after? And she sends me a link to somewhere called Sawmill Cove. I replied... The Judius suite is as much as the apartment I've rented. The implication being, but not as organic. See, I only go anywhere that's organic, you see. You do. You've got standards, yeah. Jones. I don't want toxins. <laughs> then she said, do you have to have a suite, madam? Me. I'm very high-end. I am. I am high-end, aren't I? Yeah, I could be a lot more high-end, I'll be honest, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Her. Can't we just get rooms that open onto the garden? It's just a stroll from a beautiful cove. I went away with this friend a couple of summers ago to the Lake District in a place I still refer to as the Hotel of Death. You didn't like it, did you? Stained carpet, awful heavy furniture, inedible food, wasps. It cost £1,500 each for three nights. 
No one's ever complained before, the young woman on receptionist said, when I complained about the food, as if that helped. They always say, oh, no one's ever complained before. Well, I'm the first then. It was still awful. It's still a complaint. Anyway, then I got another text. Oh, it's from the rock star, pop star. God, it just keeps coming with you, doesn't it? All these men. So sorry to read about Gracie, such a sweet dog, even if she was always on my pillow. My girlfriend doted on a dog as a child and knows how you will be feeling. Well, much better now, thank you. <sighs> my girlfriend doted on a dog knows how you must be feeling. I was thinking, just as you was reading it, I was thinking, oh, that's really nice until you got to that line. No. Jellyfish. Not tactful. Jellyfish. Not jellyfish. Tactful. Jellyfish. No, not tactful. Anyway, I've done some moans this week. Do you want to know what they are? Go on. People in restaurants and bars who say, can I get a water? It's not a water, is it? Could I have a glass of water? Could I have a... It's not a water. It's not a water. It's water. I'm not quite sure why that upsets you so much. It does. Because it's just so poxed and pretentious. Oh, I'm hip. Okay. Women who drive Range Rovers with a personalised number plate that spells mum. <laughs> It's passive-aggressive. <laughs> People not... who say it is what it is. That's me. That's me. You're digging at me. Wasps. Well, we, everyone hates wasps. I'm a vegan and I hate wasps. You can read this week's diary in full on Man on Sunday's You magazine. Now... Earlier this week, Nicola... Yes, James. I am paying attention. Would I not? I watched a documentary hosted by Rose Ailing Ellis, who we all love, who won Strictly, um, about being deaf. And it was called Signs for Change. And it was interesting. And she did say a few things that a lot of people don't realise. People think that when you're deaf, everything's silent. It isn't. You can sort of hear noise. You can sort of hear music, but you can't hear notes properly consonants um you have to look at people's faces just you know so i wear hearing aids she wears hearing age um her parents knew she was deaf at a very young age and she decided she wanted to become an actress because they sent her to like a, a drama club where she found out she loved acting and she's very oh she's just a lovely person and she but the thing i kind of disagree with her is and it was the same with the Marley, whatever her name was, film. They don't see deafness as a disability. It's who they are. And they wouldn't change. They wouldn't become hearing. And she's I don't got, really understand that. She's got a be best honest. friend who says, no, he was, he was an architect. And he said, no, I wouldn't want to be hearing. But actually, as a deaf person, I would want to be able to hear. Because I feel, although Rose is very confident and she was helped... And she's learned sign language, everything. I was, I'm the opposite, really, because no one noticed I was deaf. I never learned signing. I wasn't helped. And I know that being deaf is responsible for how nervous and afraid I yeah, am because course. I'm always afraid I'm going to be run over because I didn't hear the car. It's or even if a, a social thing. And I, I remember I was at this dinner, and I'm not good with crowds or parties yeah. or lots of people. And I was at this dinner, and it was all these very clever people saying goodbye to an editor. And they were all talking and they all just ignored me because they thought I was stupid because I couldn't hear them. No. Um, 
And I remember then the woman at the dinner wrote a very nasty piece about me because she thought I was stupid yeah. and didn't have anything to say. So I would have escaped a lot of abuse and people being rude to me and shyness. It's because it's sort of invisible. And people think it's okay to be rude to you when you're deaf. Yeah. For some reason. Because it just they find it annoying. Well, no one takes any time, do they? So if you're in a shop and, and you can't, like you saying, can you show me your map because you can't hear them properly? People just rush into an assumption because they're busy. No one stops to think about why people behave the way they do. What's going on? in their life, whether it's, I don't know, they've just had a row with their boyfriend, their mum's died or they're deaf, no one stops to account for something that they don't know about and just be a little bit kind. Yeah. No one. There's always this rush. So that brings us to when Rose won Strictly and I wrote a piece for Saturday's paper. It did. And that was in 2021. And I was completely in love. I don't, I don't normally watch Strictly, to be honest, but I was completely in love with her in Strictly. So I wrote this piece um, for the Mail on Sunday. The date and the dance is etched on my brain, November the 13th, 2021. Rose Ailing Ellis is on Strictly performing an intimate Latin routine with her dashing partner, Italian Giovanni Panici. Oh. It's an awkward stop it. <laughs> It's an awful piece of music, symphony by clean bandit, all synthesizers and wailing, the noise. See, I can't stand noise. As a deaf person, I can't stand noise. Yet despite the soundtrack, EastEnders star Rose dances beautifully, dipping, twirling. She looks radiant, confident. You would never know to see her move that she's been profoundly deaf since birth. Apparently she could feel stuff through the floor. And you can hear music, you just don't hear it very well. Yeah. And she wears hearing aids. Rose, who has not only reached tonight's final but is favourite to win, is the one contestant who cannot appreciate the orchestra properly behind her. Although she has hearing aids which enable her to pick up some of the music, the fluidity and precision of her movements is all down to a mind-boggling combination of her counting beats, count one, two, three, four, no, feeling vibrations, muscle memory and practice, practice, practice. Think about that for a minute. Not only the incredible mental and physical feat involved, but to realise this young woman whose dancing is so utterly in tune has never heard more than snatches of Mozart Sonata or Bach Sarabande. How limiting, how awful. And then, partway through the routine, the dance floor falls silent, the music stops, Rose covers her partner's ears and they keep dancing. For the first time, she leads him and importantly, the millions watching into her reality. For a few seconds, there's no sound. We're underwater, we're in outer space. Rose keeps dancing and smiling. Instead of this new silent world being terrifying and that dreaded word, disabled, it's captivating and beautiful and moving. Rose is flying. And as someone who's been profoundly deaf since childhood, I found it was a rare moment of television that gave me goosebumps. I don't I've... think anybody could have watched that and not... No. But it's the first time touched. I thought, yes, I'm on the screen yeah. and everyone knows what I know now. Yeah. You've just glimpsed into my world as though I'm swimming underwater and you've joined me and I'm a mermaid. You sort of felt seen. So I understand why people in minorities and disabilities want to feel seen because you just feel like crying. Yeah. And I like the fact she's unapologetically happy in her own skin. I find this incredible because I live my life unsmiling, cowed and fearful. 
There isn't one photo of me as a child when I look happy. I'm always anxious and confused, afraid I was going to be run over, barked at by a teacher for not answering a question, discarded by boyfriends because they got tired of having to talk dirty loudly. The only deaf person I ever saw as a child was in the film Mandy. And that was a true story of a girl born both deaf and blind. She learns to speak by feeling the vibrations of a balloon held against her lips. Buh, 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 buh. That film terrified me. I thought that was my future. If only I'd had Rose to look up to. I've never been able to enjoy key moments in my life. I heard not one word the registrar said when I got married. My husband had to dig me with his elbow. Say yes! I never did find out what he wrote in his vows or what my brother said at my niece's wedding. My mother's funeral, the hymns, the eulogy, not one clue. My deafness is partly genetic, we think, but mainly due to bout of measles when I was a little girl that destroyed the cells in my inner ear, but no one noticed. I just learned to cope. My mum had seven children, so I just sat in a corner, never saying a word. At school, I sat in the front row and cribbed from my classmates. In my first big job as an editor, I hired an intern to repeat things and write notes. He always sat next to me. And I would always be saying to him, what did they say, what did they say, what did they say, what did they say? In a way, it's possible to limp through life, which is what I've done, because deafness is invisible. We're not even allowed in the Paralympics. People don't open doors or smile at us. They roll their eyes, they turn away. They're tired of the effort it takes to get you to listen. The worst part is everyone assumes you're rude. I didn't ignore you. I didn't hear you. For me, Rose is nothing short of a revelation. And like me, she isn't pretending she can hear. She isn't ashamed of being deaf. During Strictly, we saw Rose teach Giovanni British Sign Language. He swiftly learned to sign, shockingly horrible. Even Judge Craig Revel Hall delivered amazing in sign language. When Craig Revel Hall signed amazing, I cried. I'm sure lots of people cried. But I never learned to sign because I didn't know any other deaf people. Who would I sign to? The first person I met was a neighbour. He taught me one sign... Two fingers dragged down each side of the nose. It's meaning old woman. Charming. That was his Thank favourite. Thank you for that, old woman. <coughs> for years, I didn't want to wear a hearing aid. Just Not just because I imagined them huge and pink. They're not anymore. But I'd become inured to the choir. It was sort of my little safe place. that I was quiet. I didn't know what was going on. Just leave me alone. But then in January 2018, I went to Switzerland for a story to help deal with my stress. And the village was car free, no cars allowed. So I thought, great, I can just walk out the hotel and not be on high alert. And bam, walked out the hotel and I was just not run over by an electric buggy taking people's suitcases. And I thought, no, I can't go on like this. So I gave in, got my hearing aid. And it's absolutely been a revelation. Owls. They're really noisy. They're piped down. It's quite... I mean, your senses must have been absolutely assaulted at first with all this noise coming at you. I mean, I used to have my TV on 30 volume. Now I have it on about 7 or 8. But I still have subtitles because people mumble on television. Like Rose, I can hear a little with hearing aids. I can hear singing, but I miss consonants, words, struggle with accents. I We went to see James Bond. I've got no idea what happened, because even no. though it was loud, I couldn't follow the words and they weren't subtitles. I still need subtitles. 
COVID was terrible for me with face masks because everyone wore a mask and I did not have a clue. Unless I look at someone's face, I have no idea what they're saying. The impact of masks on deaf people wasn't even mentioned, was it? Did no. you hear people talking about it? No. But now, thanks to Rose, we do know that we exist and what our problems are. And I hope she, when she wins and lifts the trophy, which she did, she will feel the good vibrations thundering her way. Rose, your dance partner said you don't want to play the deaf card, but you have, brilliantly, lift the glitter ball for those of us who will now finally be heard. I think you made a really good thing about not signing. You was never taught to sign, there was no one to sign to, but I really think we should be teaching signing in schools. I think it is changing. Yeah, I yeah. really think, I and mean, it's, and we do becoming French. becoming an official language. Yeah, we do yeah. languages, but actually... But I didn't know. know any other deaf people, so who would I have signed to? And yeah. my family didn't know how yeah. to sign. Yeah. I mean, I know basic signing, and there has been times when it's coming useful. Old, old, yes, old. old. But, you know... So every time I saw useful. this deaf man, he just went old, old at me with his fingers. I'm charming. Yeah, he did it to my mum once. That didn't go down well. <laughs> Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at Liz Jones Goddess. Letters? <laughs> We've got letters. So we have, this week, we have Charlotte. And Charlotte says she's been a fan for many years and she wanted to know how much comfort your last podcast gave her. So she's had a very similar situation. She's been estranged from her family. She doesn't know why. And she was only ever kind and nice to them. And she says, having no children myself, maybe it was wrong to shower them with love and affection. But if I'd have kept them at arm's length, I wouldn't have been true to my nature. Thank God for doggies. We can all agree with that. So she says, you're not alone. And thank you for making me feel I'm not alone. Stay strong. And please make more podcasts. One a week is not enough. No, I can't make more podcasts. We need a daily daily radio show with you and Nick are a great double act. I'd love to do it because we play lots of music. We could do a radio show, you know. Like, (laughs) we could. So Lizzie's shaking her head. I think it's a good idea. So Alex says, this is possibly my favourite letter ever. Dear Liz and Nick, I just wanted to let you both know how much your podcasts mean to me. Since I first started listening last year, I have listened to you every single day without foul. That's sad. Every day. That's, who's, who's wrote that? This is Alex. This is a super Alex, fan. Alex, you need to get a hobby. Get a rabbit. Leave her alone. Or him. I don't know. I've repeated each episode so many times now I could recite each word for word. I've even got my 91-year-old grandmother hooked on it too. Hello, grandmother. Hello. Although she is convinced you are a lesbian couple and loves you both also. We're not a lesbian couple. We've got something to tell you, everyone. We have got, we have. It's very exciting. Monday, put this in your diary. We, hang on, should we just give them a little clue? No, we're going to go out with that. Go on then, go on. Monday, you've got to buy a copy of the Daily Mail. You will be shocked. It's a huge, huge piece by me. In the Daily Mail on Monday, you've got to buy it. I'm giving you a clue. And you're not going to want to miss this. 
We're not going to want to miss this. No, it's going to be clue. clickbait. This is this your is clue. Is that a clue or is that a clue? Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.